Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've previewed all the positions on offense for next week's 2020 NFL Draft, and this week, we're going to go over the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive backs in this year's class, a good group of cover corners, versatile safeties, and impact players. We'll talk to NFL Networks and NFL Films' Ben Fennell about these defensive backs, all of that and more on this Tuesday, April the 14th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And to be perfectly frank, this is one of my favorite positions to scout, evaluate, and talk about in all of football. We're going to get into the weeds on the defensive back class in this year's draft on today's show. And times have certainly changed with how we look at these guys as versatility is really becoming prevalent across the league. We saw Eric Rowe play multiple spots last season. We've seen Bobby McCain play safety and nickel. And this year's class is packed full of guys that can do just that, play multiple positions on your defense. This interview is going to detail that, but some other fun stuff about your Dolphins as well. You'll hear Ben talk about Miami's accomplished free agent period for helping to reduce need heading into this year's draft and hoping to put together a squad that can line up and play a game today is the idea of free agency, Ben says, and that gives you ultimate flexibility on draft day. And with 14 picks, Miami are in a good position to select the best player available regardless of position. And one last note that didn't make it into the podcast, and since Ben works with the Philadelphia Eagles on the Journey to the Draft podcast, he knows our new linebacker, Kamu Grugier Hill, quite well, and he said that we, Dolphins fans, will love this guy, not just for his special teams work, but what he can do on defense as well. And Kamu himself mentioned that to me on the podcast he did on the interview series with the free agent signings a couple weeks back. And Ben said that when Kamu got hurt last year in camp, you could have heard a pin drop out there in Philadelphia. The team was devastated by that loss to begin the season. But that's a linebacker. We're going to discuss that position along with the defensive line in our final draft position preview on tomorrow's Drive Time podcast. But as for today, let's go ahead and get into the defensive backs with Ben Fennell. And joining me on the podcast now is Ben Fennell. He covers the NFL Draft for NFL Network. He's part of the Journey to the Draft podcast with Fran Duffy on the Philadelphia Eagles podcast network. Ben, how's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, I guess as good as it can go in this uh, crazy climate in the world right now, but we're two weeks away from the NFL Draft, and uh, it's crazy to think we're already in mid-April. Yeah, you and I spoke a little bit off air about kind of some of the the challenges of doing all this virtual work these days. And you had told me that the Eagles sent you a microphone, a new microphone, so you could record your podcast from home now. How are you doing with the quarantine, man? You staying safe? You staying healthy? Are you staying sane? Yeah, trying to. You know, the first week was a little tribal. You know, was sleeping in and not putting pants on <laughs> and staying up all hours of the night. And then we got a little structured. You know, we're waking up, we're making to do lists, we're being a little more productive the past couple of weeks. Uh, I'm used to being home part of the year, so I have a pretty good at-home station to still watch film and be productive, but it kind of hurts to not be at NFL Films right now, working on my draft coverage. It's kind of a fluid situation right now. Every day is a new kind of revelation with uh, the broadcast, so uh, a lot of moving parts, but 
seems like uh, the show will go on. I get some pretty odd looks from my neighbors when I'm doing lunges across my backyard with my weights out there. <laughs> my, my makeshift gym is, is getting me by for now. But we have you on here, Ben, to talk about this Miami Dolphins secondary and the draft in the secondary. And when you're talking about defensive backs with Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins, that's where it starts. He has a really a really strong resume in his past in New England, now in Miami, and he and defensive coordinator Josh Boyer have really done a good job of bringing up young defensive backs and developing those guys, and now we get Cal defensive backs coach Gerald Alexander, who coached a few of these guys that are in this year's draft class last year at Cal. Can you kind of give us an outsider's perspective, an outsider's synopsis of those three guys and how they work in the defensive back room? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, Brian Flores and Josh Boyer were tied together in New England. And Boyer, being a defensive back pedigree, is more of a defensive back coach, even though he did have the defensive assistant uh, and, you know, the defensive pass game coordinator label with the Dolphins. He has a pedigree in the defensive back room to coach cornerbacks and safeties. But what they all like in New England is they like versatility. They like interchangeable parts. And we're starting to see that with the Eric Rose and Kyle Van Noys of the world on that defense. But first and foremost, they believe in fundamentals. And I think we get so excited with upside and speed and length and measurables. And I just love how archaic these teams get, whether it's New England or now the Miami Dolphins. And they believe in fundamentals first and foremost. And I love hearing that their number one trait in defensive backs, especially corners, not cover, not ball skills, tackling. We only get 11 on the field. Everybody must be able to tackle. And I just love the philosophy that they have for cornerbacks to say, you know what the number one quality in corners? They must be able to tackle. And I think you're starting to see that trend with these bigger corners going after the Byron Joneses of the world, the Eric Rose of the world, those hybrid safety corners with really good size. They clearly have a type. And last year at training camp, an old football nerd like me, I loved watching it because they would break down team drills and go into ball security drills or tackling drills or block beating drills. It was relentless. And that's why the Dolphins were one of the top teams in the NFL last year when it came to fewest penalties assessed against them. So it definitely had an impact in year number one. Ben, you mentioned the addition of Byron Jones and also the multiplicity of Eric Rowe in the secondary. Let's go ahead and start there with the former, though, a guy that played in your division last year in the NFC East and Byron Jones. Guy comes into the league as a cornerback, moves to safety, goes back to cornerback. He can really do it all, can't he? Yes, he's a really impressive player. And there's a couple of people in the draft that kind of look like Byron Jones. That's one of the uh, the easy comps to Jeffrey Akuda from Ohio State. He really looks like Byron Jones with his length, his size, his ball skills, uh, his physicality. But Byron Jones can play anywhere on that back end of the defense. And uh, Dallas played him at corner. They played him at safety. They played him at nickel. I think just having that experience, the versatility, we all know his explosiveness with his jumps and the world record broad jump at the Combine a couple years ago, but a really impressive player that went through kind of a revolving door of defensive schemes there in Dallas. So I'm hoping he's given kind of one role, one position, one assignment to really take and tackle and then move forward with his career. And then last year, we had Eric Rowe transition into more of a safety role, and he was covering tight ends, covering backs, and doing some different things on that Dolphins defense, and he was really erasing most tight ends that he went up against with a low completion rate, a low yards per target rate, all the good stuff you want to see from him. Now, you had a chance to see Eric Rowe up close and personal there in Philadelphia for a year. What was your takeaway from what Eric Rowe can do for a defensive backfield? You know, in a similar conversation to Byron Jones, you didn't know if he was a true corner or a true safety coming out of Utah. A massive, massive corner with really good speed. He's a guy that Chip Kelly kind of designated just to take away the X receivers from opponents and just lock down the number one big receivers, which made him a really good presence in the red zone. 
really good down the field and protecting the vertical balls, really good ball skills, good in run support. And I'm telling you, without pads on, Byron Jones and Eric Rowe are going to look like twins out there. They're two massive cornerbacks. And you mentioned the cornerbacks out on the edge for the Miami Dolphins. Looking at the Draft Network's big board right here of cornerbacks, we have several guys slated to go in the top 50 according to the Draft Network. And that's where I want to go ahead and pivot to you now. You mentioned Jeffrey Okuda off the top of the podcast and what he does. I think pretty much the unanimous number one cornerback on everyone's big board. Can you just kind of sort the cornerbacks that you think might go in round number one for us here, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pretty consensus that Jeffrey Okuda is going to be a top 10 pick. And then there's a bit of you know, contention with who those next uh, off the board are going to be, whether it's a C.J. Henderson at Florida that has some questions, you know, about his physicality. But what he's going to do is wake up in the morning and lock down the number one receivers and man coverage. And that's what you want on the outside in the NFL. So I think C.J. Henderson's in that conversation. Christian Fulton is starting his work, work his way into that conversation after a really good year with LSU. And then Trayvon Diggs, who is in the exact same mold as Eric Rowe and Byron Jones, Long, strong, broad, 6'1", 200 pounds, and can run. They all are in that same type of mold and package right there uh, for the Dolphins. But, you know, when you're looking at the collective defense and the collective roster of the Miami Dolphins, I love what they did in free agency because the, the old adage from GMs are, can you go into the draft ready to play a game? And I feel like the Dolphins are ready to play a game. Obviously, there's some questions here and there with some talent level. But I love what they did in bringing in Byron Jones and stockpiling uh, some other players in the linebacker position. I think they're ready to play a game. And now it's just see where the board falls to them and what type of value is available to them when they're picking. I really do like the way they approach free agency as well because they went after some positions where, you know, we've had some different guests in the podcast where maybe some of these guys that come off the board, like, for instance, they got Eric Flowers and Ted Karras on the interior offensive line that might be more of day two projects or day two prospects, I should say, or off the defensive end position group where you have Chase Young up top, but then maybe there's a bit of a drop there in terms of the next tier of players. So they go out and get Ogba and Shaq Lawson and round out that position group, like you said, to be ready to play a game, to be flexible on draft. Now, this defense wants to be flexible and it's secondary, and you mentioned the tackling skill set of cornerbacks in this defense, and the fact that Miami do have Xavier Howard and Byron Jones here. Nick Needham had a good season last year. We have Bobby McCain, who plays some free safety and slot. I just want to ask a couple questions here, Ben. Of this uh, of this cornerback group, who do you think is the best tackler? And also, what's your, who are some guys in that kind of day two range that might come off the board and be productive starters right away? Yeah, you know, when I look at the, the Dolphins team, I feel most comfortable with the secondary. I like these pieces, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, Adrian Colbert, Byron Jones, Nick Needham's a really interesting player, Bobby McCain. But if they are still looking to stockpile and add some depth because we know depth is going to be tested, looking at the tackling position, obviously those guys at the top, the Jeffrey Akutas and Trayvon Diggs have really good size. But once you're starting to get into day two and looking at the, you know, Jalen Johnsons of the world from Utah, or Reggie Robinson, the second from Tulsa, who I think is the day two version of Jeffrey Okuda. When you're talking six foot corners, 200 pounds, running under four five, jumping 10 six in the broad, there's only three corners in this draft Jeffrey Okuda, CJ Henderson, and Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa. So I don't think Reggie Robinson's getting a whole lot of love uh, that he should be getting. I think he's going to be a bona fide day two player right there. And there's a lot of other guys with some really good size whether that's a, you know, a Josiah Scott at a Michigan State or A.J. Terrell at a Clemson. 
This guy's with a lot of experience. A.J. Green at Oklahoma State is a tall, upright corner with really good physicality that's starting to get some buzz. And then there's some smaller guys that you don't think are going to be tough, like a Jeff Gladney, who's 5'10", 180 pounds, but is as feisty as anybody in this class, very much like a Jair Alexander, who's carved out a nice role with the Green Bay Packers. So they don't all need to be 6'1", 210 to be a physical presence. Some of the little spark plug guys like a Jeff Gladney could fit in as well. we got Ben Fennell here on the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins' official podcast network. He comes over from the Philadelphia Eagles' Journey to the Draft podcast with Fran Duffy on their network there. Ben, I want to ask you here because we know the Patriots, Lions, the Dolphins, all these Belichick disciples and people off of the Bill Belichick tree play a lot of man coverage. You're going to see the Patriots, the Lions, the Dolphins rank 1-2-3 in man coverage for the most part pretty much every single year while those guys are there. So who in this class gives the best man coverability? And maybe you can separate this for us, top of the draft, middle of the draft, type of thing like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the man coverage, you're obviously going to go right to the SEC. A lot of these guys have tons of experience. Trayvon Diggs, C.J. Henderson. But I love the kind of next tier of press coverage experience, whether that's Lavert Hill out of the University of Michigan. This Michigan defense sent 12 kids to the combine, talented, talented group, that just could not get on the right track in the win total. But there is tons of good talent and upside with this team. And Levert Hill, that showed up to the University of Michigan playing press man from day one in Don Brown's defense. A lot of good experience on tape. Damon Arnett's another one. Shaheem Carter out of Alabama plays a lot of press man there in the SEC. So you can even go to day three with some guys a little bit off the radar, like a Troy Pride out of Notre Dame who ran really well, or a Demarcus Acey out of Missouri. Those guys in the SEC are used to playing man coverage. So if you're going to find one of these guys in the Big 12, like an A.J. Green or a Jeff Gladney that's used to that off-coverage position, there might be a little bit more of a learning curve uh, to get up there and press coverage in the NFL on Sundays. We talked a little bit about Bobby McCain's ability to play both free safety and nickel cornerback, and he did that last year with the Miami Dolphins. And we come into this class with some guys that can do a little bit of both of those things, but depending on where Bobby plays, we might have some opening areas at the safety position, for, exa- for example. So in this safety class, can you tell us who you like in the first round? Which guys really top the charts in the 2020 NFL draft at safety? Yeah, I've been absolutely blown away with Xavier McKinney in this draft. I think he's a clone to like a Malcolm Jenkins style of player, a guy that you just want around the box, around the football, good in run support, good blitzer, but he can match up against tight ends, match up against slot receivers, a smart player. I think he's a bona fide round one player. Now that next tier is the interesting conversation. Is it Grant Delpit? Is it Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois? Is it Kyle Duggar out of Lenore Rhine that's starting to get a lot of steam? Those are more rangy back-end players uh, with some really good length and size. But when you're starting to talk about the safety position, the NFL is obviously a sub-package defense. But we're getting away from the small nickel, and we really want the big nickel package. And that means having three safeties on the field. But in order to have three safeties on the field, you better be able to cover. So I have a big category here called coverage safeties. And I think this draft has a lot of interesting players of coverage safeties. And that's like a Kavon Wallace out of Clemson, who's been there for four or five years, a lot of good experience. Again, just like a Xavier McKinney can match up against tight ends, slot receivers, good blitzer, good ball skills. There's a bunch of other guys like that, whether that's Brian Cole, the second at a Mississippi state, who is a former four-star receiver, at the University of Michigan that came over and played nickel at Mississippi State or a Terrell Burgess out of Utah. It's really a one-year player, but a really, really good player 
uh, on that Utah defense that could come and play the alley and can also match up against these skilled players on offense. I just think there's different players in every level of the draft. And I love evaluating good players on bad teams. And that's Nigel Warrior at the University of Tennessee, who's a highly touted four or five star player coming in. Obviously, like the University of Michigan, just couldn't get the win total going. But a really talented player with explosiveness, coverage skills, physicality. I just love digging into the players that always get misevaluated because they're on bad teams. I think Nigel Warrior is going to be a pleasant surprise to somebody on day three. You talk about versatility at the safety position. Guys that can come down, cover the slot, but also have range on that back end and how valuable that is in today's matchup NFL. A couple of guys on this list I want to ask you about because one of them played for a team that was good last year, but historically the Minnesota Gophers have not been a better, one of the better teams in the Big Ten. So Antoine Winfield Jr. there at Minnesota and also California's Ashton Davis. That guy can flat out go. He was a high hurdle champion, I believe it was, in high school. So these guys have the range, the speed, the versatility. What do you make of those two's games? So Ashton Davis, obviously the track star, came, walked on uh, as a football player, was more of a track recruit at, on the uh, Cal Golden Bears team there. Uh, but it will be interesting to see the, the former Cal coach now with the Dolphins and how interested he's going to be with some of his former players. They had a really impressive secondary. Also Cameron Bynum coming out next year should be a, a top 50 player. But um, yeah, Ashton Davis is more of a back-end player, a rangy free safety in my opinion. Uh, kind of like a Jeff Heath with the Dallas Cowboys. But then going to the Minnesota Golden Gophers, man, these have some really intriguing players. And obviously starts with Antoine Winfield, huge season in ball production, bunch of impressive interceptions, seemed to be always around the ball, that magnet player uh, where the ball just gravitated towards him. I think he's going to be somebody you want down around the box, more like a Tyron Matthews style player to blitz, the run support. He tested really well. Uh, at the combine, I didn't necessarily see that on the tape, but a really fluid player, instinctive player. But don't sleep on the nickel player at Minnesota either. Chris Williamson, who's a Florida transfer, which a lot of people didn't realize coming from the SEC. And he showed up and played really well in the Big Ten. One of my first and foremost combine snubs. I would have loved to see what he was going to test there at the combine. I thought he was kind of a high 4-4, 4-5 player, but... That Minnesota defense, a lot of good players with some good versatility. So I expect Antoine Winfield to be a day two player. And if somebody takes Chris Williamson on day three, I think they're going to get a good steal. One more question for you here, Ben, just to get a kind of general vibe of the way this draft board could play out on the first round. Over under, or what is your over under on the number of cornerbacks and safeties, DBs in total, we see their name called on, right, on night number one Thursday on the NFL draft? DBs, that's a great question. So I feel really good, obviously, about, you know, the Xavier McKinney's of the world. Are we calling Isaiah Simmons a safety or a linebacker? Yeah. I'm probably going to go linebacker for this conversation. I feel good about Akuda. I think CJ Henderson and Trayvon Diggs get in there. So I'd probably set it about five for defensive backs collectively. And I think it's going to be a lot less receivers than people think. I think there's a lot of good day two value at receiver. People are going to come up and get their tackles, get their quarterbacks, get their edge rushers. It's a really weak interior defensive line class. So if you need one of those, you better go get them while they're available. I just see maybe more of the receivers getting pushed to day two and potentially the defensive backs as well, uh, because it's a deeper group at corner at safety that there might be more comparable value on day two than in that round one position at a, a lesser position group. 
That's one of my favorite things to do with the draft process is to go through and find out which position groups almost kind of hurt themselves based upon the way they're stacked with the hierarchy, the depth of the class. It's always an interesting study and interesting. I mean, it's a big part of like the identity of each draft, you know, and each draft has a different personality. And just because a group is stacked doesn't mean it's stacked at the top of the draft. Sometimes, like you're just saying, it could almost be a detriment because you see more value later in the draft and you say, you know what? We can wait on that position. Let's go get a position that might not be available. How much do teams prepare for that? And how can they prepare for like playing out these scenarios? Are they in their offices doing mock drafts like all of us right now? Uh, I think so. Uh, I've heard from more than a few teams that they do some exercises just to get their minds in decision-making mode that, hey, if this scenario played out, what are we going with? And a lot of times it's announcing to your scouting room and trying to decide those ties. And in order to know those ties and those situations, you kind of have to go through some real life examples. And, you know, the media world kind of laughs at mock drafts, but teams need to go through that as well, just as an exercise for groupthink, for an exercise of decision-making and an exercise of weighing the collective board and the positional values. You have to weigh different groups. You have to also weigh them against your own team, your own roster, and find out how do we put the best 53 men together in this room. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just simpler than people think. It's not as deep. It's literally just weighing this guy versus our guy. What are we going to go with? And having these exercises of mock drafts just give a little bit more time to prepare for teams uh, in the draft room. He is Ben Fennell of the NFL Network, NFL Films, and the Journey to the Draft podcast on the Eagles Podcast Network, at Ben Fennell underscore NFL on Twitter. And Ben, one of my favorite things about your timeline is the photos from different college stadiums all over America. I am a sucker for the intimate college football <laughs> setting, so please well, keep well, doing that. Well, full disclosure there, I went to a city campus with no football team. So going <laughs> out on the road with ESPN College Football, I feel like I'm kind of living the actual college experience to see the mountains in the Pac-12 and the history in the sec and sometimes it's annoying to get to these campuses and i don't want to drive an hour from des moines to ames iowa but sometimes (laughs) you have to take a deep breath and say when will i ever do this again Uh, and there's some really cool meccas of college football and a lot of history and culture to go see so uh pretty a pretty privileged uh, to be able to travel around well thank god for podcasts for those long drives they definitely help get (laughs) us through and ben we appreciate your time today man and uh stay safe out there sir thank you very much thanks for having me on buddy And away he goes. Very good information there from one of the NFL's best draft experts. You can follow him on Twitter for a bunch of good video, written content, audio content. Ben does it all. He's on the road all year long taking a look at all these prospects up close. So go ahead and give him a follow. Check out his work. Check out his podcast. And that's going to wrap up the defensive back edition of the draft preview series here on the Drive Time Podcast. We still have linebackers and defensive linemen to get to in the front seven. We'll handle that tomorrow. We'll have a mailbag episode this week. We'll have another throwback podcast this week as well. And another reminder to all you guys out there to go ahead and register on Facebook for the Miami Dolphins virtual draft. It's going to be a blast of a night. We're going to have coverage, taking a look at the prospects coming into Miami that get selected, breaking down the players, breaking down the selections of all 32 picks in that first round, and also having some player interviews here that we have already conducted, talking to some of the Dolphins veteran players already on the roster. It's going to be a great fun night. Make sure you check that out. Register now, MiamiDolphins.com. But as for today's podcast, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. 
And check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Juice and Seth and the Audible with John and Kim. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com for all your Miami Dolphins content. Until next time, fins up.